Here comes a new challenger. From 8-bit to 35mm, game pads to the silver screen, your favorite video game characters are on a quest to become movie icons. Can they unlock the achievement? Let's go for broke! It's time to press X to reload. What is this? Read. All life is born of Gaia, and each life has a spirit. Each new spirit is housed in a physical body. Doctor. Go on. Through their experiences on Earth, each spirit matures and grows. When the physical body dies, the mature spirit, enriched by its life on Earth, returns to Gaia, bringing with it the experiences, enabling Gaia to live and grow. It's my old diary. I wrote that 43 years ago, when I was the age you are now. Dr. Sid! Remember what happened to Galileo? They threw him in jail because he said the Earth was not the center of the universe. That could happen to us. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to Press X to Reload, where we search for all eight of the, the pieces of Gaia that form a good video game film adaptation. I am Nick Moore. With me are Wayne Brissett and Mark Athanas. Wayne. Hello, everybody. And Mark. <laughs> I can't wait for this one. So, as promised, we're back to talk about another video game property that's being adapted, but not a straight adaptation. Final Fantasy The Spirits Within, that is... According to those who created it, adapted on the Final Fantasy series. Which one of you wants to comment as to how close or loose an adaptation this is? Wayne, you got a pretty neutral looking face. Let's start with you. I think it's an excellent adaptation since no Final Fantasy has anything to do with any other Final Fantasy. It fits perfectly with having to do nothing with any other Final Fantasy. Okay. <laughs> other than Sid. Okay. So, finding the positive... <laughs> I would say that oh, you want my opinion on the on the pro side, it's like Final Fantasy because I think the like overall message and arc of the story isn't entirely dissimilar to something you could see in a Final Fantasy game. Like if this Life of the plot was in a game yeah. about like the the heroes fighting against these spirits from another planet and you need to unite with Gaia to the earth spirit to fight it back. Yeah. That's a final fantasy plot line. Absolutely. It is. Okay. We'll get into the cons later. <laughs> yes. So for those of you who have not seen this film, it came out in 2001 and it follows a scientist, her mentor and a group of soldiers who are trying to basically save humanity for lack of a better term. Some sort of meteor has landed on the planet some sort of alien species is coming out of the meteor and taking the life essence out of people. And they're trying to, to find a way to stop it and, and save humanity. That sounds like a pretty generic sci-fi thing to me. It doesn't necessarily sound like final fantasy, but it doesn't sound like a bad idea either. There are some things that I would say do pull from final fantasy. There are way more that don't, <laughs> but Wayne, let's circle mm -hmm. back to, cause I heard you mutter mm -hmm. it in the background your actual opinion as to whether or not it's a good film. Did you enjoy the movie, Wayne? Uh, <laughs> so, 
I haven't seen this since it like the year it came out way back. Okay. What year was it anyway? Two thousand and one. But two thousand one. Okay, so it's been a long time <laughs> since I seen that film. Oh yeah, and it still suffers from the one main problem I had back then, and it's it's just a boring film. I don't think the story's bad. It's not convoluted or anything. You do have to pay attention. And its biggest strength is how well, after all this time, this the animation still holds okay. up. Maybe not as much as the articulation of the mouths, but the animation is still really strong. Uh, and that was impressive. But they have they have the right elements to make this an exciting film, which is sad to find out it's actually a really boring film. So okay. overall, I just find the film boring. It's not bad. It's just boring. Okay. Mark, how about yourself? Uh, like, take the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> like, I, I think I'm genuinely shocked at times that the film is boring. And I, I, I've, I've been actually struggling since we rewatched this, because I same thing. I haven't watched this since 2001. And I've been um, genuinely struggling with why I was bored. I actually still can't articulate it well because okay. the second time watching it, I kept trying to remember all of the plot from the first time watching it. So it actually had me paying attention to it. Cause okay. I was like, this is weak, but why was it weak again? Like, what was the thing that was weak? And when I arrived at the end of it, to your point, Nick, about like, it's a generic sci-fi plot. Yeah. But it, reminded me of elements of like i don't know materia emanating okay. from the world that they could like tap into like at the end of the day the science doesn't save them their belief in gaia does at the end of this the, the power of love of the earth that's very funny well, i don't even say that i think <laughs> yeah. I, I like i didn't even go exactly. there because i think it was um although it's very <laughs> on the nose with the the visuals of like her holding her hand over her heart and him like holding her like all that stuff like yep. the the spirit of Gaia is held over her heart and all that stuff but I don't I didn't think it was crazy to think of it as a Final Fantasy story because there are times in Final Fantasy stories I think you get distracted by the overall story because you're so busy leveling up and doing side quests and fighting monsters and you come back to the story and you're like. What was going on here again? Well, for an hour and 45 minute movie, I was doing the same thing without the action, without the side quests. It was okay. like, what was going on here again? Where is this going? Where is this going? You know what? They missed a really great opportunity, like Wayne was saying here, I think, in that it's a good story. Especially with a strong cast, too. Amazing voice acting cast. Big name cast. Amazing. Spectacular. Underused Steve Buscemi. Underused everyone. Oh. He's not a good voice actor. I'm sorry. Buscemi, was not a good voice actor. No. It was no, bad. But you know no. what? <laughs> Still underused. Well, here, here's the thing. There are good voice actors. I don't think they had good the voice direction acting. The direction must this. have been but terrible for actors, him. You know? because <laughs> He wasn't translating was, well. Baldwin was spitting fire. Baldwin was really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like Donald Sutherland, yeah, fantastic in every scene. Mm -hmm. And this movie, man, like... It's so weirdly boring. Like it's so weirdly boring to me. I can't I have explain. opinions. Like on an that. action scene would yeah. happen, and I'd be like, "Oh, that was an action scene." 
and nothing's happening. It's not a bad movie. It's just so I have opinions about exactly that. Yes. So yes, this struck me about halfway through watching it. Now to give some context, I own this movie. I hunted downstairs. I found a copy of it on DVD. I popped it in. I went, you know what? This doesn't look very good. It can't be the movie's fault. It's my DVD. So I rented this thing off of uh, YouTube for $5.49 in HD. So when I talk about how it looks, I am seeing the best possible version. It looks okay. For its time, it looks amazing. For now, it looks okay. I agree. I think it held up up okay. But Mm -hmm. it struck me that it looks somewhere between a PS3 slash PS4 cutscene and it looks like PS5 real-time gameplay. Mm -hmm. Agreed. But maybe a little bit behind. Like, I'm watching it thinking Marvel's Spider-Man looks better than this. But that's 2018. This is 2001. But about halfway through this, the question that entered my mind is, why didn't they just do this movie live? There's very little about this as a sci-fi film that necessitated doing it as this CG project. And oh, I don't know. most animated films tend to be about 90 minutes-ish, right? And I've watched a lot yeah. of animation, watched a lot of mm-hmm. live, and especially when you see things that are animated and they get adapted to live action, all of a sudden they become longer. Even when it's almost shot for shot stuff like the Lion King remake, it ends up having a longer runtime because the camera will linger on a live shot longer than animation because you don't have dead space on live action. There's always some movement. There's always some microscopic, you know, emotion happening from them or movement that comes from the actors and the scenery naturally. But that's all handcrafted in animation, and there's no wasted cells in animation. So you end up with a much tighter focused film, not just narratively, but how it's presented cinematically. This film was not filmed that way. This film was given the pacing and runtime of a live action film, but it's still animated. And you really notice those dead spots when you're watching it without a live actor giving little nuanced micro emotions and micro expressions throughout they felt dead on screen and that's not a fault of the technology it's just you can only do so much in 2001 and the fantastic elements they have the weird aliens and the tech they had i'm looking at going okay 2001 that's when this came out stargate's mid 90s nothing in this is crazy beyond stargate this movie should have been live i think it would have been not necessarily fixing the narrative parts of it, but it would have felt a little less boring. And the other thing that kind of kills it, story-wise, they're looking for the eight parts of Gaia. The scientist, Aki Ross, and her mentor are trying to Mm -hmm. fix the damage done by finding these eight parts. When we get to them at the very beginning of the film, she is looking for part number six, a plant in the ground. Okay, that's what it is, a plant in the ground. Number seven is a battery from a backpack. And number eight is the power in her heart. So out of those three, two of them are goddamn boring. But then when you hear her talk about some of the ones that they found before, mm-hmm. she talks about having to track, what was it, like an, a bird that's going a across starling. the earth that yeah. she's trying to find. Or a For young space. girl. Yeah. She talks about a young girl that was dying of cancer and or had a story. part of Gaia inside her. And she has to sit with a mm-hmm. girl who's dying of a disease and thinks that she's lying to her, but they're being an afterlife and Gaia and returning to earth. That's emotionally gut-wrenching and would have been far more interesting to watch. So I feel like we missed all the good parts and came in at the boring end. Like, we entered this story at the least mm-hmm. interesting part of it. Mm-hmm. And that's bizarre to well, me. Well, and you know, I think the the movie... So this is going to sound weird. 
the movie does a good job of explaining what's happened, where they're at, where they're trying to get to. It actually does it. It's clear. You fully understand the objectives. You know what they're trying to do. But in a weird way, it does a bad job of building their world. Like, you tell me what's happening, sure, but, like, you know, there's some throwaway dialogue from what is James Woods' character who's like, you know, it must have been terrifying seeing people drop dead beside you and not knowing why, and then something touches you and your soul is yanked out of your body. They should have shown that more. How horrifyingly terrifying Mm. this actual entity is. The amount of technology they need to employ just to see these things yeah, because they're literally ghosts. They will come out of the ground. They will come out of the wall. It's, it's a quasi horror story concept that would be incredible because you'd just be seeing people die and then you would see what was killing them. And they're these like ghostly things. And then you need to explain so much. Like why do their weapons work against ghosts? How long did it take them to develop that? How slow was this infection on earth for it to consume the planet, but them to have enough time to develop and understand all this technology, like so much isn't explained while they explained everything. It's so weird to me. They made odd choices for what to give you exposition for and what to hold back. And again, we pointed at the positive. So I do have one. I really like some of the technology they use. The anti-grav green stuff that they have that they drop onto Mm -hmm. the ground before soldiers would land on the ground so that it absorbs the impact and they don't get hurt. Or when an entire (laughs) ship is going to crash and they launch that green stuff at the ground so that they don't get hurt. That feels Final Fantasy to me because it's like doing the gravity spell on something, but they're finding a, a sci-fi way to do it. Yeah, That stuff's really cool, and I don't even need explanation for it. I see it, I immediately get the concept. No. But what you're yes. talking about, the idea of showing how terrifying it was, a 30-second newsreel footage thing that someone has, like have the scientist, have uh, Aki Ross's character watching a news footage thing of a crowd running, screaming, and they're just randomly dropping in mass confusion – so that you could understand the terror of it, because James Woods' monologue about well, it is chilling. Yes. But it would every time you see these things in the film, you always see them from the point of view of a soldier who has the equipment to see them. So we always see them. Yes, you always see them. Yeah, it's like they were afraid to tell right. the audience. You have no point of view from someone who to let the have audience it. try to figure you know? out. And uh, when they do the big attack, which again we'll get into that because that was stupid. But when they do that big attack. Again, don't get me wrong. The creature design, the monsters, look incredible. They're awesome. Yet, that was a perfect opportunity to have the true fear of what what just happened. Someone died. Why did they die? Oh, my God. They're in the building. And people blindly running. 100%. Not knowing if they're running into it. They could have done that. But then they did this. They've got the residual energy, which is why we can see them. Because we need everyone to not have the technology we've shown you. It would have been so much scarier because they're inside their safe little sci-fi facility and they're not wearing their special goggles for them to start dropping. And James Wood's character doesn't see it because now he's reliving what his family did when they went. Yes. How poetically perfect would it be for him to recount how he lost his family and they didn't even know why they're dying. And now he's going through it because of his hubris in letting these things in. That would have been amazing. It's a missed opportunity. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. Now the only, and this is the last major negative I'll give. Cause again, there are positives. I don't hate this film. I own it. I don't hate it, but I think it could be better. The other thing that I think honestly makes it kind of boring. There's only so much you can do with motion capture in 2001. And the big thing that you know they had trouble with, because you watch any other kind of motion capture stuff they do, anytime they try to do motion capture of movement, they had to slow everything down so that they can capture it. Anytime they try to do fast movement, it looks janky. So when you have, for example, the midway point of the film where James Woods, I think, I can't remember his name for the life of me. So James Woods villain, because it's what he does. But when he has his soldiers turn against Alec Baldwin's soldier character and try and bring them in. The fight scene that happens inside that airship feels like it's happening in slow motion. Everyone's moving really sluggish. And if it happened live, mm. it wouldn't be that way. They'd move quicker, but you can tell you know, it's a limitation of the technology they're using. So everyone's kind of moving like stunt choreography rather than a real fight. It's like the rehearsal of a fight. It looks slow. I find that so fascinating because I thought the same thing but invented a reason in my brain to dismiss it because they're all in armor. <laughs> so when she when she does that slow spin kick to the gut, I'm like, yeah, fair. He's in armor. Like even if you wanted to dodge it, he's in as heavy as armor as she's in. So she's doing a slow kick because she's weighted down and he can't dodge like he would normally because he's weighted down. Because nothing about their armor says it's enhancing them. No. It's just gear. It's just gear they're wearing. Their armor's so, useless. They're fighting soul sucking ghosts. Well, again, wouldn't it be fantastic if they explained, like, is this just what they wore and all their, the only new addition is the helmet? Who knows? Like, I'm surprised they couldn't figure out how to make gear based on the same stuff that the city was made of. You know, that type of. Yes. So why can't you figure that out? You could build an entire dome around all of New York or Manhattan, but you can't figure out how to take that and just put it around. Exactly. And they have these battery packs for their weapons and such. Imagine they're all running off of battery packs for the barrier in their armor, and it only has so much time. So now every mission would have attention to it if we have to go quickly before we lose our shield. Like, there's so many things they could have done to create tension and make it not boring. Well, (laughs) and an interesting thing that Mm -hmm. took me away from the final fantasy of it, because I think my major criticism of this movie is simply that I don't think they were brave enough to go all in on Final Fantasy. They wanted to still root, like ground it 100% in a in a concept that a generic audience would go and still see. And you're slapping the Final Fantasy name on it to get the fans out, but the person who's never picked up a game could watch this movie and it's just a sci-fi movie. It was New York. The fact that it's not yeah. a fictitious world city like you never play right. in Earth. Earth. Like, it's, yeah. That's not where you play your Final Fantasy games. You know, it's Midgar or whatever the heck they want to call it per game. Like, honestly, every game is almost, un- like Wayne said, is unrelated to the previous game. There is no oh, yeah. connective tissue to the games. And they're in fantastic, amazing worlds. Well, what's fascinating. But they grounded in this one. So the writer and director of this film. And I'm going to mispronounce the name, so bear with me, but uh, Hironobu Sakaguchi. Sakaguchi. This man is responsible for writing not just Final Fantasy Spirits Within, but also Final Fantasy Chronicles and Final Fantasy mm-hmm. IV in 1991. This isn't mm-hmm. someone who doesn't know Final Fantasy. Which is one of my favorite. Yeah, my favorite Final Fantasy, mm-hmm. partially because of nostalgia, it's one of the yeah. first one main, main ones I played, is number four. Absolutely. So this guy Absolutely. gets it. He's written some of the better Final Fantasy stuff. So it's not like... 
when you have a script and they kind of crowbar it into something else, this is legitimately someone who's involved in that franchise, but it does still feel hamstringed the way you're saying, where it feels like, well, we have to tone down the fantasy because we're going to a mainstream audience. There's very little fantasy in this. And normally what I like about that franchise is it has absolutely no fear in mixing technology and magic in taking grounded and (laughs) silly and just going, let's let them play together. This one really shies away from that. Yeah, like six is the best the fact for that. that. You could have something like this big industrial city in like Final Fantasy VII, for example, but you also have people riding around on gigantic chickens called Chocobo. Yes. The fact that you can mm. have, you know, guns and grenades and realistic weapons that we can completely understand, and then an eight foot long sword being wielded by somebody half my size, and they make it all work. I'm down for that. Do that. This didn't feel like it had the confidence Mm -hmm. to do that, which is a bit of a shame. And I feel like part of it was their struggle to go, we're going to do CG that's photorealistic. The second they say photorealistic, they're afraid to do anything that's not seen as realistic. I I feel like they kind of hurt themselves there. Well, I almost wonder too, and again, you got to throw yourself back to the golden days of 2001 here. (laughs) Uh, for, For the listeners who were alive back then, you were adapting a video game. And so they, I wonder if it's as simple as they thought, like, well, let's make it look like a video game, which is what it does. Like, I think, sure. to your point, See, no, it I, holds up. Gravity. I kind of think the opposite here. This kind of circles back to what Nick was talking about, why, you know, should have been live action. But I, again, like you were saying, let's take ourselves back to 2001. 2001 PS2, Final Fantasy X is coming out, or X, sorry, whatever you want to call it. And now Square has developed an engine that, their cockiness believes looks so good you could probably do a movie and lights go off in their head yeah well then let's do a movie and then you've already got people like hironobu sakaguchi working on stories let's say this was actually a story that was supposed to be a video game that they're like no we're not going to do this one but we can convert that into the movie i think i think there's cockiness and pride of square so proud of what they accomplished on the CG level that they said, let's try and do a sure. movie because it seemed to be at that time, there was nothing really like that. A full ambitious, it's very ambitious, that in depth CG animated film. It's the first of its kind. And even the trailers, like it's all about zooming into her eye to show like, Oh yes. yeah. <laughs> you know, you can start from far away and zoom into her eye to show her pupil as if look how amazing computers has come. And at the time it's impressive. Oh, yeah. It just, wow. I've got to be honest. More like, on the on trying to impress everybody that way. I got, I'm still impressed. The graphics age, story and gameplay don't. <laughs> like, but here's the thing: I was still mm-hmm. impressed, and I yeah. don't know if I was impressed because I knew how old it was. And again, it wasn't perfect, so I'm not saying that. But you could tell the times, the moments, the scenes where they really put the time and effort into it. Where oh, sure. They really captured the movement. Mm. They really captured like zooming in and capturing the emotion of the actor, which is really being well translated into the digital realm. Like I thought they did a really good job of that from time to time with the hiccups of the lips are out of sync. Oh, he's got to run across this thing, but the running animation looks janky. Like it happened, but I was still impressed by that. Impressed by the design of everything. It's had such a final fantasy feel to me either. When they first come down in their armor, I was literally reminded of Final Fantasy 7's when you're storming, was it the Shinra 
Yeah, the Shinra uh, complex. Tower, yeah. and yep. all of the guards Office. look exactly like these soldiers, and then all of their airships look. Yeah, they do have similarities. Yeah, they yeah. look they look like really similar. You know, so it did take me into a Final Fantasy world at times. It took me out of it when I was like, oh, they're in New York. There's no magic, but there is magic, but no one believes in magic in this world. Because when they're trying to pitch the concept of Gaia, the Earth spirit, they're genuinely laughed at. (laughs) So it's like, okay. And I kind of don't mind that. I like the idea that you have this kind of hokey sounding idea of, you know, the Earth is alive and represented Mm -hmm. for its spirit is Gaia. And the fact that all the other scientists in the room are like, "Are, are you basically doing faith healing and crystals right now? Like, are you insane? And I like that James mm-hmm. Wood's character latches on the, to that to try and discredit both Aki and her mentor. And I actually like, for the most part, not the character himself, because James Wood's character is a bit of a dick, but I like that he has a reasonable explanation for why he's going to such lengths. He truly sees these things as terrible, and he's convinced we have to blow them out of existence. He's doing the aliens idea. Mm-hmm. Let's just nuke the site from orbit. Yes, literally. That's not mm-hmm. a stupid line of thought. <laughs> it's only way to and be if sure. your opposition is someone going, well, no, no, no. We just have to find a way to hug the earth strong enough. I can kind of see why he thinks they're insane. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and you know, we only your, side with them because point, the narrator takes us along with them in all reality. Well, right? and, and to your point about them finding the spirits, God, it's a, that's you're right. It's drag. It drags down the movie because the spirits aren't anything you're chasing. It's just like, oh, there's an object sitting in this empty area. We got to go pick it up. They chose the most boring ones. Yeah, like could and you imagine one, if it was the bird and they're trying to chase after the bird while those yes. monsters are chasing them? Now you got something to work with. That's really cool. Yes. Another thing that was weird was when you, when you first met Sid and they're talking, they're telling us now about Guy and we're learning that aspect of it. He makes it seem like it is an actual breakthrough that they found, but there's just not yeah. enough evidence to yes. support it, right? So keep it hush, keep it quiet. And then he has that good line about, you know, Galileo was burned, you know, for saying the <laughs> yes. world was round, which ironically, if he said that in 2023, <laughs> would probably still be burned yeah. for saying it's yeah. round. But, <laughs> but then, then, then they go, so they go and burn any evidence they have, which is weird because that's what you need to prove everybody wrong, to prove everybody. But then you go yes. into this meeting and immediately yes. start talking about the thing you said, <laughs> yes. let's keep it quiet. And I'm like, well, I don't get that. So then why'd you burn everything? And why'd you make it hush us? Yeah. When in the meeting, you just come well, out and say, ah, it's all about I guy. I think it as the stuff he burned. That made no sense. It was right. his diary when he's kind of waxing poetic on the idea of Gaia rather than any sort of hard scientific fact. So he's trying to make sure to get rid of anything where they'll be like, no, you're just a lunatic who's spouting off poetic nonsense. So I didn't have a huge problem with that, but I agree about two minutes into the courtroom interrogation or whatever you want to call it, him looking at her and going, don't say anything, I got this. Guy is real! (laughs) Worship me! Like, what are you doing? (laughs) And then she stands so, up, and, ah, and it's like, uh, okay, that did and bother me she's the me one who too. had a trump card, it, not him. I love that he's like, keep your mouth yes. shut. And, she, you know, yeah. we need proof. We need proof. She's like, I got my proof right here. There's a piece of this awful alien inside me. I'm infected, and yet I'm contained. <laughs> I'm infected. One, there's your proof. Two, now everyone's suspicious of you. Well, what <laughs> kills me about this movie is, from a logic standpoint, that scene, it's... Absolutely illogical, 
for him to even toss out the Gaia concept and more illogical that they couldn't have brought a mock-up to show the containment without revealing the identity of who's contained. Like, you know what you're going to this meeting for, you know, you have a Trump card. You could just be like, Patient X, we're protecting their identity, has this in them, here it is contained. It's a successfully Boom. contained. This is more dramatic. Contained. Here's all the data. <laughs> Fine. I let it go. But the part where I was like, this is dumb, was she has been recording her dreams. James yeah, get rid of that. <laughs> gets a copy of these things. This is at the, a high tension point in the movie. They don't trust her. They see that she is dreaming of aliens on another world. Proof she is being manipulated. All the evidence, they, they say the words. Those recordings are all the evidence we need to convince the council. Yes, it is. Excellent. Where do they go next? What is the next things James Wood's character does? He lowers the shield. And to lets all the aliens a scenario in. Yeah. To let the aliens in, why? Well, you have you only just letting them in a little just to prove a point. Doesn't matter. He doesn't even <laughs> need one in there. He just said we have all of the evidence we need to achieve the goal. Yeah. So we, we don't, don't need, need to, to prove. No, we don't anything. need a crisis in the city. I don't need to kill people in the city or hell, scare people in the city. I don't need to do anything. I'm not convinced. He's not trying to convince the city. He's trying to convince the council that these scientists can't be trusted. And by his own admission has all the evidence he needs. (laughs) That part, that scene, I feel like somebody came in to the writing room and was like, we're going to need a big action scene. And they're like, we don't really need one. And they're like, no, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta write one. You gotta write one in. And, and they, they just wrote made one, in. one. Yeah, we haven't had it's one true. since the beginning. We, yeah, there's not a lot of yeah. action in it. That's funny you mentioned the dream thing though, Nick, because it's like those dreams went on too long. Like there was too many times we seen that dream. Yes. One at the beginning was fine. Maybe one in the middle to kind of remind you and show a little bit more. But like, I felt like every ten minutes we were getting to watch the same dream, and then it, you know. Longer. We didn't get the next piece. We had to watch it over and get the next Funny piece. Funny, which was you should annoying. say that. So I popped on the DVD after watching it in HD just to look at the special features. And one of them is Aki's dream. So they take all the hmm. dream sequences and cut them into one big thing. It's nine and a half minutes long. So in an hour and 40 minute movie, 10 minutes of it is her dreams. And if you didn't have any repeat shots, because it keeps going back on itself and winding back, it would probably only be five minutes. That dream stretches. Yeah. It's like that bad dream you, you have. You wake that, up, you go to sleep, and it's waiting for you. No, no. I started fast forwarding it through going, you got to be kidding me. It's nine and a half minutes of the okay. dream sequence. Gonna, oh, my God. I was going to give you my thoughts and prayers there for a second. No. That said, I actually think if you're going to watch this film, to anyone who's looking at this, don't even stream it. Find the DVD because the DVD had better stuff on Good disc luck. two. It's going to be cheap than anything the movie has to offer. Like it, it starts off on scene and then they yell cut and Aki walks out of like the, the ship, like it's digitally created. She's walking down the set amongst real people. It was kind of cool. 
They made it seem like she's a real actress. The behind the scenes features for this were really interesting to watch. They did a blooper reel. <laughs> Are you kidding me? It was kind of cool. Oh, and man. there's even, and I'll find it on YouTube and post a link. Mm-hmm. The a couple of the animators behind this did a parody of the thriller video with all of the cast members of this doing the thriller dance, and it's great. I've seen that. But because they're moving just as fast as the dancers in the thriller video, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about where it looks janky. They're not meant to move that quickly. The cloth simulations, everything else in their clothing, their Mm. movement, it looks weird. And not just because of the dance. We've all seen thriller, and it looks smooth. These guys don't look smooth as thriller, but it's it's the technology holding them back, but it's still entertaining. Mm-hmm. That's cool. <laughs> it's not a bad movie, and it has things I no. like. When you have the scene It has when you the right see elements that uh Alec Baldwin's character is infected and they're trying to save him in time. That whole surgery scene I thought had good tension. It had good tension, okay. it's handled really well. That's probably the best you tension. Actually feel worried for him. It's really cool. <laughs> but there's not enough scenes like that. There's scenes that should have that, like no. the and there should have been the betrayal that happens in the ship with James Wood soldiers trying to take him down, or the the trying to get the ship up in the air when the aliens are flooding into the facility. Those scenes should have that level of tension, but they don't. But they didn't. Yeah, that that last. So think about this. That last invasion when James Wood's plan horribly, horribly fails because it was stupid to begin with. <laughs> what do you see the aliens kill? A handful of people? There's a scene where they get to, what is it, the subway, and everyone's dead. How crazy, to our point of, would that have been as a scene where people were dying? Yeah. And then realize, How many oh, God, we've seen this before. Did? Is there How anyone left? Are, I think did the James whole Woods city falls. He, he kills the city. And here's the, the other sick, yeah. weird thing. That is a moment of such colossal error. Colossal error. And it's compounded by the even dumber mistake he makes when he goes to the space station. <laughs> I'm not I'm – not, it's fine for him to shoot the cannon. Fine. That's his plan. He's pissed. He's – he, he's basically at that point saying, all these deaths will mean nothing. I will have my way. I will kill this alien. Because yeah. at that point, he still has no reason to believe his plan isn't the right plan. He He's going about it all wrong. But his plan, as far from all the information he has, still the right plan. Except the gun isn't working as he thinks it would. It's literally the systems are saying, stop firing. It needs to recharge. And his thought process isn't okay well let it recharge and we'll keep firing we can do this all day no his thought process is no it must shoot now i need it to shoot right now and he literally ends up blowing himself up and everyone on that space everyone who escaped the city onto the space station has now been exploded dead it's so good oh my god his desire to immediately fire that gun leads to so many deaths. And it's a plan that makes no sense. It actually like, even in the mm-hmm. moment, the dialogue with him justifying it, I was just like, I don't, I don't understand. Like 
you just he just lived through an experience where he almost took his own life because he acted impetuously and his hubris was so bad he wiped out a city. He goes to a space station and again he even said, he, "What have I done?" Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> he has a moment of reflection of like, "What have I done?" Oh, and then that he goes was bad. To a spaceship, yeah, that was stupid. He goes to a spaceship learning nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. It's a long enough ride on that spaceship for him to play with the gun, unloading all the bullets to get to one, almost killing himself before realizing, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue going to that spaceship. And when he does that, he's just left the atmosphere. He's not on the he still has a ride. Nope. He's got tons of time to think. <laughs> What I can't figure out, he gets up on the space station. Our heroes are now going into, like, the midst of, like, the crater impact where the main alien ghost residual nonsense is. He's up there firing this cannon. And as far as I could tell, all it's doing is pissing the space ghosts off. They just seem to be getting stronger. So it's doing nothing. He's not the only one on the space station. So even if we assume for a moment that when he let the shields down in the city. He's the only one of his team that got away alive. So nobody knows that he screwed everyone over because when the council asks him like, Oh yeah, we barely escaped what happened. He's like, Oh, they've adapted to our defenses and they buy that lie. Okay. (laughs) There. Yeah. But even if we assume it's a completely different crew manning the space station, because there's no way it's just him. You see other people up there. It takes Mm -hmm. a crew to run this thing. There's no way that he has these people so under his thumb that when they say, sir, you can't fire it again, it needs to cool down or we'll die, he's able to go, no, 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 I'm just going to manually force the bullets through and they all watch him do it. Either someone needs to be arresting him on the spot or Mm -hmm. they all need to be jumping into escape pods like space balls. Like one or the Mm -hmm. other's got to happen. Well... And that seems like a pretty important area of the ship to have no crew. Yeah. Like, it seems like it's the troubleshooting area for the highly That's technological weapon in space. <laughs> and there's like, Jordy should be there around. slapping his hands away. <laughs> At least one guy, you know, one guy with a wrench should have been like, hey, bro, what you doing? You can't, you yeah. gotta, you gotta let that cool down. <laughs> can't let you do so, that. You know, yeah. Can't, I, I can't, I can't let you do that. That's so. It's a little strange that they just kind it's of, weird. I don't care what rank you have, you can't just melt down the space station and no, <laughs> no. one stops you. Oh. It's a little weird. Yeah. It's a weird choice the movie makes in those last few moments yeah, of the film. <laughs> it felt to me like, well, we got to make sure to kill this guy. He's the villain. It just felt yes, like yeah. we're going to find a way to kill him, even if he's got to kill himself. And instead of him pulling the trigger with a little nine mil that he had, no, no, he's going to blow himself up at the space station. So he still yes. kills himself with a gun. And ironically, I don't beautiful. think he had to kill him. No. No. Like, if anything, put him up on war crimes for what he just did. That sure, would have been but bad. you didn't have to kill him. No. You have to kill him. Uh, but yeah, sometimes the bad blood. guys still live. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. But the movie yeah. just got bloodthirsty at the end. Yeah. like <laughs> I guess I was going to die. It would have been actually way more impactful for him to have lived to have seen he was wrong. Yeah. And to see how wrong he was and what that cost them. The other thing the movie doesn't do a good job of is like, I actually have no idea, like, how many people are alive? I got no sense of. No clue. 
No idea. Is the world okay? Is everyone in New York? Are there little cities all over the world? Like, I have no idea. It made it feel like Manhattan is like the only city in the world. Yeah. It (laughs) seemed like they were down to one city. Right? Because everything else was like Las Vegas desert. We don't know for sure, but it seemed like it. Yeah, it seemed weird. And I was I was kind of wondering about that. A little bit of exposition in that direction might have been helpful to give. Mm-hmm. It would raise the stakes a little bit if you're like, wow, this is the last city and this idiot's lowering the shield versus, <laughs> yes. oh, this yeah. is like city number 217. Yeah. Uh, or even like they said there's anyway. only five of these cities in the world. Or one you of know, five. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Something. yeah. You don't have to tell us where they are. Just there's only one of, you know, there's only one of five and we're in Manhattan, which is one. Right. I mean, even like the new Dread film was like, it's one of several mega cities. I'm like, okay, so yes. it's an important thing yeah. if you're in that city because there's only like four of them across the entire country. <laughs> yes. I just wanted to shit out that film because it's amazing. It is, it is incredible. <laughs> it is incredible. Yeah, there's some weird choices at the end. The fact that you have to kill him, the fact that they take away my, I, I don't know what you want to call him, Ben Baldwin or hmm. Alec Affleck, whatever he is. Because let's face it, Alec Baldwin's voice is coming out of Ben Affleck's face that whole movie, and it's weird. It's off-putting. Yeah. So I'm going to posit a question to you guys, because most of the characters in this film do not look like they're voice actors, but they could have. There's nothing in this where I'm like, ah, Steve Buscemi couldn't have played that guy in real life. Donald Sutherland couldn't have played that scientist. They all could have played their actors. So do you think it would have been better if this movie had the CG characters look more like their actual real life counterparts, or do you think it would be better if the voice actors (laughs) that they got were more closely representing the faces they put on? So like, would we have been better off if Ben Affleck voiced that character or if Alec Baldwin's the face we see on screen? I think because it's off putting either way right now. The Alec Baldwin character. I liked him. I liked his voice acting. I liked his acting. Like when he's freaking out with her on the ship and he's like, you haven't changed a bit. And she's like, that's when she recognizes him. Um, yep. His acting is great. I agree. Why they chose, they, it's almost like they chose, maybe to Wayne's point, the arrogance. They chose the harder thing to do. They chose to make a CGI character and match their face in motion, but not the face. Like they didn't, yeah. match, sorry, they didn't match Casting the face. came after casting came after they already had all this done they were just so proud of what they achieved that they're like okay let's make it a movie and we're gonna get some a-list actors and put them in certain roles it's weird according to the behind the scenes it took four years to make this thing and it took long enough that by the time they got to that last year they had to start over and re-render everything they did in year one because (laughs) they'd improved the graphics engine so it's not even like they were locked in they could have gone back and changed it, but they intentionally chose to not have any of these people look like the people voicing them in an animation. I get it. But when it's CG photorealistic animation, it feels like you're really kicking it up to hard mode. Well, that's just <laughs> because it. Now like your, your, your reference work isn't there. Yeah, you're right? mocapping. Like, and that's maybe that's why the mouths are off. I don't maybe. know. Because there are times when the mouth, um, the mouth animation is really off, and maybe it's just because it's not. That's a product matching. of its time. Yeah. yeah, it's probably a product of its time. It doesn't help that it's not the actor's face, <laughs> but it's a definitely a product of its time. Yeah, I mean, some of it worked all right. At one mm-hmm. uh, at yeah. one point, when um, when Aki and Alec Baldwin's 
character kiss, that looked okay, and that's really hard to do in animation and CG, and they they did that pretty well. Well, that's, that's what goes back to what Mark was saying. You can definitely tell that some scenes are had more time and polish put into them mm-hmm. than other yes. scenes. And it's funny, I keep saying Aki, Ming-Na Wen's character is probably the mm-hmm. only one that feels like so much attention was given to the creation of her mm-hmm. that I don't feel I like was- I'm going, that should be Ming-Na Wen. Her performance does largely work with the exception of I think that Ming-Na Wen's a great actress and I think she's really good at small like micro expressions and this film can't do that. So when they have the Mm -hmm. quieter dramatic scenes, you can Mm -hmm. hear voice wise she's acting her heart out. Like, for example, when she's talking about, you know, the young girl that had Gaia in her and dying. Mm -hmm. But they're doing this close up on the face of the character. I was like, there's not much motion. Yeah, (laughs) like there's nothing happening here because the level of expression that should be happening is so minute that your engine can't do it, but guaranteed if we had Ming-Na Wen on screen, she would be doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. it's just another reason why I feel like it should have been live. You can't have those quiet, dramatic moments unless your characters are capable of the quiet, dramatic moments. And it's why I compared yeah. it to 2018 Marvel Spider-Man. It pulls it off. <laughs> and it's all in-game <laughs> engine. <laughs> Look well, how far we've come. What a time to be alive. Yeah, yeah that, I think that's a... Uh... <laughs> A really good point, actually, in that I do think what was still impressive to me when I looked at this was that it wasn't pure trash. It's 2001. No, it's still you okay. Recognize, you recognize that, and I recognize you know what this is. Like watching a cutscene from a PS3, PS4 game or in-game graphics from a current-gen game, which was perfectly fine, which was still impressive. Yeah. Like this, this movie's got some things. I'll say this. It was boring but not as bad as I remember it being, but it was boring. Yeah. But it was somehow more boring than I remember it being, but not as bad of a movie. And I don't know (laughs) if that's because I was looking for the good things in this while watching it. So I was trying to really appreciate maybe the things they were doing. And a lot of that went into me appreciating what they did technologically. Then the good voice actors, the good overall concept of a story, but I didn't always like the execution of it. Yeah. Like I found pacing wise, it lost me by the time they got down onto the planet and they're finding the battery pack. That's a spirit Mm -hmm. from that point on the pacing really started to suffer. The first 40 minutes of it is not bad. Yeah. Yeah. It works. Okay. I hundred percent agree with that. It kind of falls off a cliff at that point because it's not yep. giving you anything more interesting than the last thing that happened. Yeah, there's nothing new. That's why I think they should have switched up the order of what kind of spirits they're finding or some something more varied or interesting should have happened. It just felt like we were, rather than winding up in tension, we were winding down, which was the weird. 50, the 50 minute mark is the exact time I moved the mouse to see how much time was left. That's exactly the time in the movie where I was like, yeah, I was like, how much of this is left? I was like, I got more time here. Yeah. Yeah. I got about halfway through before I started to not Mm. care, but that's still pretty good. And there's moments in it that I found genuinely compelling. The, I keep saying courtroom. I don't really know if that's what it was, but that courtroom scene they have, I thought was a really good scene. I agree. Oh, the, yeah. the scientists and mentor defending their case and James Woods mm-hmm. arguing his case. I thought that was really good. Mm-hmm. The Agreed. surgery scene with Baldwin is good. Even uh, at the end, 
they kind of get some of that tension back when you have James Woods firing down on them with a stupid Zeus cannon Mm -hmm. and you have Alec Baldwin's ghost being pulled out of him and she's holding on to his ghost and it's this touching moment. That stuff's pretty good, but you had Mm -hmm. a good 40 minute stretch in there that wasn't. Yeah. You can't have half a good movie and an okay ending and a big sandwich of meh in between. It it doesn't work. Yeah. But if nothing else, from a historical standpoint, if you're into video games or if you're into computer animation and film, it's worth seeing for the achievements that it was really pushing for at the time. We can sit here and knock their pride for thinking it was going to knock it out of the park and it didn't. It bankrupted the studio that did this. Square Pictures made one movie. (laughs) It was their Final Fantasy, ironically. It was. It it was their Final Fantasy. (laughs) (laughs) And even Sony Pictures, as far as I know, didn't put their their hat back in the ring until Ratchet and Clank. Mm -hmm. So, like, it really scared Sony out of the game for a while. I gotta say, man, isn't that crazy? Stuff like that, I always wonder about Hollywood, man. Like, was this a product of the concept being bad? No. Your story execution. wasn't <laughs> executed well. It's a good we've said good story, great concept, great actors. Where did it fail? Just your execution. How is that boring? Yeah. You can match this up to any video game that comes out where they're talking about look how pretty it is. Look at the amazing graphics. This is every AAA game that tries to rest purely on the visuals, but has a gameplay loop, a core gameplay loop that isn't satisfying or characters <laughs> that don't have strong motivations or feel satisfying. It's that game that gets pushed and then just falls off of a cliff five minutes after it's released because another pretty game comes out versus a game that maybe doesn't age as well graphically because that's what they focused on but the gameplay loop is strong or the characters are strong like i'll go back and play final fantasy 10 for example or x whatever you want to call it because i like the characters is it the best looking final fantasy game out there no there's better ones now but the characters in it they grab you and that's what matters right i played it again recently well honestly it's (laughs) it's not even limited to video games right it's all it's all media right now. Like they're they're complaining that what is it? Bob Iger from from Marvel from Disney is is complaining. Marvel is making too many things, which is why people won't go see Indiana Jones because they've they've oversaturated the market. I'm like, no. When you make good content like Andor, everyone is going to watch it. If you half-ass it, like I don't know, pick a pick a movie, pick a, a whatever that you, that was, I can give you a topical example right now. Okay. The flash versus across yeah. the spider verse. Perfect. Across the spider verse care is put into the characters, the storytelling, the animation. This is a banger of a film and it's at 600 million and growing worldwide. The flash <laughs> haven't seen it. So I don't know about its quality, but I've heard some shaky things. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, yeah, but but look at how pretty it looks. And look, we got Michael <laughs> Keaton. And it's at 200 million worldwide and looks to be a resounding failure for them financially. And it's not because there's too many superhero things out there. Because if The Flash is failing because there's too many superhero things, why is Across the Spider-Verse succeeding? Exactly. It's not quality, too many things. It's let's look at the good things. Yeah. Quality is always going to win. Quality will always win. It should. 
either in the immediate or in the long run. Now, we saw this in the immediate and it failed. And in the long run, I think it's better than we gave it credit for in the beginning. But I still think it falls short of what their ambitions had for it. Absolutely. I still don't think it, not just financially, but I feel like this didn't hit the critical acclaim and the cultural milestone they wanted for this film when it came out. Mm -hmm. And it's not because of the visuals. The visuals have held up okay. Mm -hmm. It's because that pacing those characters needed a little bit more attention. This script needed to cook. It came out half-baked. Yeah. This will probably be the last time in my life I talk about this film. It'll be the last time I watch it. <laughs> I can't ever see this ever coming up in conversation again because I would never recommend it. I mean, I guess someone could come up to me. No, I'm not. Rec- I wouldn't say I wouldn't recommend it because it's bad. It's just I would never go to my way to recommend sure. this. I guess the only... Yeah, other fair. side of that would be if somebody came out to me and said, hey, have you ever heard of this movie? Would you watch it? Then I'd be like, wow, you have to be <laughs> in a special place <laughs> and yeah, a special yeah. mind presence when you're ready to watch this film. The movie's very much a product of its time because when it came out, it looked impressive. Now all it has left is story and character, and those are the parts that are hurting. So yeah. I can't necessarily recommend it. Unless you're a history aficionado, then check it out. Fun fact, I still own the theatrical poster of this from when we worked at the theater. That's awesome. That is awesome. I still have it. It's the one with her, like, standing, looking down through the ground. Standing with the water, yeah, from underneath. That's a good shot. That's awesome. The underneath shot with the ripple of water, that's a good shot. Yeah, that's the poster. That's cool. And that kind of stuff visually is what they should have used to carry this film a little bit more if you're going to rest on the visuals. Do things that a live action camera can't Can't really do. do. Yeah. (laughs) But oh well. When we come back, we are going to look at another adaptation of a, a franchise rather than a specific particular thing. I can't remember which one it was. Do you remember, Wayne? I feel like, was it Dragon Quest or something? I think. Dragon Age? Oh, no, maybe. Yeah, no, there was a Dragon Yeah, no, there was a Dragon Quest. Yeah, it was Dragon Quest. Dragon there's Quest, a cartoon. yes. Like an yeah. anime-looking Dragon, Dragon Quest cartoon. Age. Yes. Dragon, Dragon yes, Age, I think, Dragon also Quest. has one. But we're doing Dragon Quest because it looks right? yeah. fun and cartoony and bright yeah. and uplifting. It's like the all of the polar opposites of what we just watched. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to yes. watch something fun. But we thank you on joining us on uh, Press X to Load. As always, I'm more with me, Wayne Brissett and Mark Thanis. Gentlemen, thanks for having me. See you in the next one. Catch you next time. You've been listening to Press X to Reload. Today's episode featured the voices of Mark Athanas, Wayne Brissett, and Nick Moore. Our theme music was composed by Jack Fierick and performed and realized by Sam Fierick. If you like what you've heard today, subscribe and never miss an episode. Or tell a friend, leave a review, we'll take all the bonus XP we can get. If you have suggestions or feedback, you can contact Nick Moore via his email, retrogamingfool at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next stage.